Hi, this is Lindsay Ellison, founder of Start Over, Find Happiness. The advice I would give to someone who isn't so sure about writing about wellness is to be very gritty. Whenever I write blogs that tell something really vulnerable about myself, those are the most powerful blogs that I write and it always takes courage to share with your audience little things about you so that you can stay real and stay connected. Welcome to another episode of Right of Your Life, where life happens and life storytelling transforms it. I'm your host, Stacy Curtis. I've made it my mission to help people with tough life situations tell their stories. Why? Because life story writing helped me get through a very difficult time. The Right of Your Life podcast is committed to sharing compelling stories of ordinary people. Our goal is to help you, our listeners, know how to transform your own life by telling your life stories. Our show is brought to you by lifestorytelling.com. And guess what? You don't have to be a writer to tell your life stories. Lifestorytelling.com will teach you how. Our guest today is Lindsay Ellison, the founder of Start Over, Find Happiness, a coaching practice that helps women navigate through their divorce and breakups. She specializes in helping women escape from their narcissistic partners through counseling and her course called Break Free from Your Narcissist. Buckle your seatbelts. This is part one of two great sessions. Welcome, Lindsay. I really wish I had met you 10 years ago because <laughs> I could have used this course and your help. So give us a little bit more about your background. Sure. Well, I, um, I came from uh, a marketing and journalism background, and I kind of went into this weird, strange career of PR, marketing, and journalism all kind of wrapped up together. And through that, my marriage was starting to fall apart, and I really wanted to... I needed help. I wanted some kind of mentoring and therapy really wasn't doing it for me. It was very helpful in many ways, but I really needed kind of a step-by-step approach of what do I do and how do I get out of this relationship? And I remember going through it and making so many mistakes, not standing up for myself, feeling really vulnerable and down. And I didn't really have kind of a coach to get me through that. So I made a mental note saying, one of these days when I get out of this and I get back on my feet, I'm going to start writing about this. So that was kind of the first thing that happened where I started writing about it. And I have somewhat been a magnet for narcissists my whole life, Um, had a a husband who was one, and then I ended up dating someone after and got my heart broken following that. Let's pause for a moment and take a look at what a narcissist is. They are related to sociopaths, and both of these disorders produce manipulating and abusive behavior. Abuse comes in many forms and affects many people in the victim's life, emotional, physical, and sexual abuses are common and equally degrading and harmful. One is not better than the other or worse than the other. They are all abuse. How do you spot a narcissist or sociopath? One of the first signs is that they get people to feel sorry for them. They tell a tale of great woe, one that in hindsight is unbelievable, but nevertheless, their initially charming personalities draw people in. You find yourself giving more than you normally would. Their goal 
is to manipulate you to be dependent on them, and they will do whatever it takes to suck you into their world. Once they've won you over, the mask comes off, and they denigrate their victims, devalue and demean them. It's incredibly difficult to get away from a narcissist or a sociopath. Believe it or not, you've likely encountered one either in your family, your neighborhood, or your workplace. And once I realized the unbelievable impact a narcissist can have on your life and how destructive it can be, I thought this needs to change. People need to understand this better. And having gone through a real life change for myself and really digging in, um, understanding the clinical side of narcissism, but also really understanding the uh, personal growth space and kind of blended the two. I started to blog about it and I really got a following quite quickly. And Huffington Post has some of my articles on the subject of narcissism um, became quite viral. And I was so overwhelmed with people needing my help, I could not help everyone. It's just I don't have enough hours in the day. So that's where I came up with the concept of a course where I could teach you something and you could do it at your time in the privacy of your home or, or at work if you're worried about your husband finding out. Uh, so I created the course and, um, and it's been really successful. Yeah, and that's where we met actually last year when I was creating lifestorytelling.com and you were creating your course. We met at, in David Seitman Garland's Create Awesome Online Courses. We both had past experiences with narcissists and sociopaths, and there's not a lot of people that really understand that space and how that affects you. So you started writing about your experience. Tell me a little bit about that. Was that uncomfortable? What, what exactly did you write about? Well, I started, um, well, first of all, I started writing my blog, and I did have a blog, and let me tell you, I was writing to no one. <laughs> <laughs> which I think you have to do. That's how you get started. You just write right. and you put it on the internet, hoping someone will find you. And then um, I, what I did is I started taking some of my blogs and pitching them to Huffington Post. And I got rejected quite a bit. And I think it was one on, uh, it was a per my very first big story. It was a personal story of, it was actually about not, wanting to have sex with my husband and it has nothing to do, you know, it was kind of encouraging people that if you don't want to have sex with the person you're married to, you're not awful. And it was a very personal story. So that got picked up and I got a lot of emails from that. And then I just started really digging deeper from my own experiences, but also always giving advice as a coach. So I wasn't so much blogging all this personal stuff. I would take personal anecdotes and then apply them to some kind of lesson. And that is really how, when I started writing about narcissism, and I, of course I, I have at this point uh, a lot of clients who were telling me all this stuff. And so I'd, a lot of times I'd get off the phone with them and I would be so uh, empowered by their story that I would end up, that's actually when I would just start writing because I was all fired up by a particular issue. Right. And right. I think... What has done so well with my writing is that I write so specifically about what the woman is going through. And I can't tell you, you know, if you, if you see comments on Huffington Post or sometimes they'll, they'll share it through their social media and there'll be hundreds of comments of saying, oh my God, nails it on the head. I'm, I'm bookmarking this. This 
this, it's like she was speaking about my life. I hear that a lot. It's like she was speaking right. about my life. And I think a lot of it has to do with I went through it. I think that really helps. I'm not just a clinical mm -hmm. therapist sitting on a couch who's never experienced this. A lot of the times when it's, so, it's like a death, if you know, someone, it's hard for anyone to speak about someone dying unless you've been if you've been hurt by death. And once you get through your grief, you can connect with people because they're so looking for a connection. Right. So when you first started writing, it, was it uncomfortable writing about, you know, reflecting on what you went through? It wasn't. It wasn't. I, I think I'm very much I'm very much an open book. And I think for me what really helps me well, let me go back. So when I was going through a divorce, if I met, if I stumbled upon a woman who was going through it, I, I wanted to know her whole story. I, I had to know how she did it because I was really going through my divorce. It was like blindfolded. I had no idea what mm -hmm. I was doing. And there's also a lot of guilt associated with it. You feel like a right. failure, especially if you have children. You're so worried about your children. And one of the things I always needed to hear was, the kids will be fine. You will be okay. You deserve right. to be happy. You deserve abundance in your life. And through my pain, I feel as though I can tell people that, that you're going through this pain for a reason. And I think by sharing my own pain, it's almost as though I'm giving them a gift. Yes. Rather than it me being um, exposing myself. Right. That's a wonderful way to think about that. You're giving other people a gift because they need that encouragement. They need to know that they're not alone, that they're not the only one experiencing those thoughts, those feelings, that uh, everything that accompanies being connected with a narcissistic person. Absolutely. And that's the one beauty of my course is that I have a, you know, a private Facebook group. I do these online coaching. Um, I do these monthly coaching calls with everyone. It is so awesome to see these other women support each other because when they come to me, you know, when you do one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, they really do think they're alone. And then if I, I always say, if I could tell you how the 10 other conversations I've had this week is exactly the same as yours. And when I finally brought them all together, I, I cannot think of a more humbling experience through this whole career of mine where I can bring other women together to share their stories of pain and then they heal from that. It's So I feel as though my pain has healed others. Their pain is now healing other people. Mm -hmm. What would you recommend for someone who is just going through this right now and they feel like they're alone? Is there anything they can do initially to get them on a more even keel. In terms of divorce, you mean, if they're thinking about going through divorce? Divorce with with a narcissistic or anybody else going through a, a difficult time. Mm -hmm. One of the things I think women especially, and this is really why I tend to have a target audience, mostly women, because I, I think women do this more than men, is that, you know, we're taught to be nurturers and we're born to be nurturers, actually. And sometimes we can over-nurture. And mm -hmm. we are rewarded when we over-nurture. When we ask to be selfish, when we want to be a little selfish and do something for us, what happens? We feel guilty. Mm 
Right. And the aspect of divorce is really about stating a boundary for yourself and saying, I deserve better. And let's say you don't want the divorce, you know, conversely, if you don't want the divorce and he's wanting the divorce, I always try to say, you deserve better. Why do you want to be with someone who doesn't want to be with you? Right. And so it really comes down to the single issue of self-love and loving yourself and putting yourself first. So oftentimes when women are confused and they're scared and they don't know what to do, I always try to bring them back of what do you require in a relationship? Right. And when I get them to write that stuff down, and I have worksheets and stuff that helps them get through that, but when I get them to say, what do you require? They start to come up with a huge list of things that they're not currently getting. Mm -hmm. So I always say to them, okay, and is that good enough for you? Why are you settling? Right. And when I start to get them to realize that the pain of the divorce, they start to want to start over. They want a new life. So they can, you know, the divorce part is really tough. But then I always say, imagine you can have this life that you want. You can have all these things in a relationship with somebody. So go get it. Why are you, you have one, one life. Why do you want to settle? And so often we have to be reminded not to settle. Right. It's okay to want good things for yourself. It's that fear of change, right? The fear of change. Change, even if even if what you have is not, not good. And I, going back to the narcissistic person and the nurturing that women want to do or need to do, you cannot, you can never nurture narcissistic person enough. Absolutely. Right? There's, it's never enough. Yes. And what happens is, is that a narcissist is very attracted to an overgiver. Yes. They actually thrive off of that. That's where they get their supply, which what we call in our little world narcissistic supply. But really, it's the gasoline to his ego. Mm -hmm. And when you are an overgiver and you don't really require things from someone, they love that. Right. And the problem is, is that an overgiver, someone who falls in love with a narcissist generally is a codependent person. Right. And that really means that they just don't, they don't require many things of people. They give away too much for someone who hasn't earned it. Right. So I always say, you must, earn, people must earn your love. And when you are in a safe and healthy relationship, then you make compromises. But until they've given you that safety, knowing that you are free to express your feelings, knowing that you um, are allowed to have a bad day or a good day, knowing that you can make mistakes without being punished, that's safe. Until you have that, you really shouldn't be giving <laughs> to that person. Exactly. You really shouldn't. They need to earn it. As, as, and I always say, as do your children. I mean, um, we, as mothers, love to give to our children, but if we overgive to them too much when they haven't earned it, which means good behavior, respect, what happens to them? They become spoiled brats. Right. And in fact, Lindsay, you have a lovely piece about that subject right there. And yes. I wonder if you would mind reading that for us because it's, it's incredibly insightful and almost counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is a, is a good segue because I, um, 
you know, recently there was there was Mother's Day, and I expected my children to. I just expected them to do something for me, as we all do. <laughs> and um, and and when I I just wrote this piece. And I'll tell you, here's an example of being vulnerable and showing my readers I'm not perfect. I think it's a really important thing when you're blogging or writing or sharing your life story is to not always show that you're perfect. Right. So here we go. My Mother's Day was interesting, or let me be honest, my Mother's Day sucked. There was no breakfast in bed. I didn't wake up to any surprises. My 13-year-old slept in, and my 10-year-old woke up cranky and said, Mom, I'm starving. What's for breakfast? And I have two boys. So to my surprise, their father had bought me cards for them to give me, and I saw the cards untouched on their nightstands. I waited and waited for them to realize, but they still didn't give them to me. So I stewed over it and tried to give them hints. I then went into their bathroom and noticed a clogged toilet that had been brewing for days without them telling me about it. So while leaving over a toilet, plunging away, I completely lost it. And I said, so this is what I get for Mother's Day? A toilet full of crap? Finally, I mentioned the cards and told them how upset I was. And my oldest son sat there, still bleary-eyed from waking up and didn't say much. And then my youngest son started to cry as if he were in a Spanish soap opera. And then he said... Wait for it. Mom, I was too scared to write something because I didn't want to disappoint you. I've been stressed about it all weekend. You don't even care about me. So now you may find that a worthy excuse and might even feel empathy for my poor child who was so stressed about writing a Mother's Day card, but I call bullshit on that one. When I told him how I felt, he made it all about him. Hmm, does this sound familiar? I wonder where he picked up this maneuver. Oh, but it gets better. He gave me the card and angrily said, here. I told him I didn't want to read it and that he lost the opportunity. So he ripped it up and said, I can't believe I finally wrote you something and you don't even want to read it. It was obvious that my child refused to take ownership of his mistake and then he passive aggressively made it all about him. Now, as his mother, my heart actually ached that he was so upset. I instinctively wanted to say sorry and start over and give him a hug. But I knew all too well that if he got away with it, he would learn that manipulation gets him everywhere. And it's moments like these where I fear my children are budding narcissists, lacking empathy, gaslighting my feelings, and making me the reason for their actions. After all, they do live with a skilled narcissist 50% of the time, and God knows what tricks they are learning. But I must nip it in the bud and use this as a critical teaching moment no matter how much their actions hurt me. I cannot take it too personally, and I must step up to be their parent. And you must do the same. That is perfect, Lindsay. Because, number one, you you taught them a lesson, right? And number two, it, it really points to being in touch with not just your feelings, but what your kids need. And they need to learn not to be narcissists, right? Absolutely. I, I love that. And I, I bet there are thousands and thousands of people right now listening to this who are thinking, man, something similar happened to me. Not Maybe not with my kids. Maybe it was my husband or my wife or my mother or you know somebody else. And they're like, wow, what is that? That's really insightful. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I am a coach and I'm always giving people advice. And I think a lot of people think 
that I have my life all together and that I'm perfect. It's almost like you expect a doctor to never drink or smoke and so many of them do. Right. <laughs> um, so when I wrote this, there was a part of me sending it out saying, should I do that? Am I acting too vulnerable? Am I maybe not setting a good enough example? And when I wrote it and I sent it out and I got so many emails from it, you know, sometimes I'll write things, I won't get any emails, but I got a bunch of emails <laughs> that day. And so many people wrote, wow, oh my gosh, it's like you described my Mother's Day. And right. one person even wrote me, I have to tell you, I have been following you for a while. I take, I've been doing your course and I, I do think you're all perfect. So it was really refreshing to see that you're not all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's always the advice that I like to give to anyone who's writing their life story and, and wanting to write is to keep it real. Mm -hmm. Don't always be preaching, especially if your story is to be used as an example for a lesson, but write your story and show some vulnerability, which is what I did. Well, imperfect is doesn't make a good story, does it? Right. It doesn't. Nobody wants to read it. I tend to roll my eyes when I see perfect people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's not the stuff movies are made out of either. Exactly. Great information from Lindsay, but that's not all. Lindsay's information was so great, we produced two separate episodes. Stay tuned for the second half of this interview. It just might surprise you. You'll learn how to deal with a narcissist and how to say, that's not okay. Now it's time for the Life Story Toolkit, where we share information on one particular tool that you might consider using if you're writing or would like to start writing about your life. The Life Story Toolkit is sponsored by lifestorytelling.com, where you can find your life theme, discover where to start writing, and craft your life into a compelling story. This episode's Life Story Toolkit features a website, forever.com. I'm speaking at the forever.com photo conference in September, and I was so excited I wanted to share this website with you. The conference is called Forever Live, and it's a three-day event for photo enthusiasts, scrapbookers, and people who might want to start organizing their photos. It's a place for everyone to come together, learn, and have fun. We'll put more information in the show notes at writeofyourlife.com. Let me tell you about the website. Forever.com helps people collect, curate, and celebrate life's stories. They offer permanent cloud storage for photos, along with powerful tools for organizing, digital scrapbooking, and custom photo gifts. If you're one of those people who have old photo albums or take pictures digitally, then stay on your computer unlooked at, then you need to take a look at this. Upload your photos. There are free and paid accounts based on the number of photos. And then you create and share your photos and stories. What's different about this site is that it's permanent and secure. You basically scrapbook online, then share that scrapbook with friends and family members of your choosing and they don't need an account to see them. Guess what? They also have digitization. That means you can preserve and share scrapbooks that you've already created. You can have those digitized so your work is preserved. And they also digitize other types of memorabilia. For instance, they've digitized kids' artwork, ceramics, old clothing, flags, 
Virtually anything that's important to you, you can send it in to forever.com to get it digitized and they'll preserve it forever. The other neat thing that they can do is put your pictures on a mug or a cell phone case or other items so you can give them as gifts. This is a great way to store and organize your photos and tell your family stories. Besides the forever.com free account, the pricing per month is $5 to $15. Not too bad. But it's even cheaper if you purchase the permanent plans and pay a one-time fee. There's an app for that as well, and it's free too. So more information will be included in today's show notes. That's all we have for today. I'd like to thank Lindsay Ellison for sharing her valuable information, and I look forward to the second segment. Show notes, a free download, and all the links mentioned today are at rightofyourlife.com slash ellison1. If you like this podcast, please share it with someone who has an interesting story to tell or who enjoys listening to interesting stories. We'd love your comments, so head over to rightofyourlife.com and tell us what you think. To be notified of future episodes, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your app of choice. Of course, we're also on Pinterest, Facebook, and just about anywhere you can discover life stories. My handle is Right of Your Life. This show is put together by consulting producer Nick Jaworski at podcastmonster.com and myself, Stacy Curtis. We hope that today you have the right of your life. <laughs>